If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Ask some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. I'm chilling, catching blessings. And cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause it ain't a second, I can waste. I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellar, one fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking in with my co-host Jalen. How you feeling, my brother? What's good? What's good? What's good, y'all? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance. I'm feeling good, feeling great on this lovely, beautiful day, man. This week was kind of ugly, but today is very beautiful. Man, this so, week was lit. I don't know what you're talking about. We all this rain. I'm talking nigga. about this rain, bro. I'm no. talking about all this rain. That rain was trash. But the Renaissance that. Mixer was amazing. We definitely had a great time. If you were not there, we had the Renaissance Mixer in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And uh, we had a great time. A whole lot of black a whole excellence. A lot of black excellence in one room. Everybody came through, networked. We had a great time. We ate. We drank and just had a good time. Everybody just told us the same thing. We can't wait till the next time. Shout yeah. out to Simone, uh, CK Creative Studios, for helping us put that on. It was really a great event. Y'all definitely be on the lookout for the next time. We're going to be doing these things monthly around the Dallas area. But, y'all, with that said, that's not it. Man. We got to get into what we here for today. Yeah. We have another amazing episode for the people. On this episode, we have a great brother 
out of the boot originally. Now he in the Bay Area. Mr. Kelly Oubre Sr., the father of Kelly Oubre Jr., the guard for the Warriors. He is also the owner of Beast Development, a program teaching parents and coaches how to invest in the next generation. So, Mr. Uber, how you doing? First of all, guys, thank you much again. I'd like to talk about off camera, I try to give the flowers while we're here. I'll give the gold coins to the people around me while we're here. And I'm going to give you gold coins right now. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And uh, I know you guys are doing some amazing things. And I like the way y'all, y'all are back and forth talking about information in real time amongst yourselves. Therefore, you can deliver to your audience what information in real time looks like and tangible things that our younger generation can hold on to. And I guess this is somewhat of your mixtape. You know, yeah. the young, they need a mixtape. You know, well, old head, you don't have a mixtape. So I can't listen to you. Well, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer. Well, you don't have a mixtape. So I just, <laughs> so the game has changed. So leave me alone. Yeah. I know what I know and shut up, leave me alone. I'm going to go for 30 tonight. Yeah, but do you know anything about that contract you about to sign? Mm. I'll worry about that later. Okay. Well, I know you'll call me later and you realize that, you know, or the people around you may call me later if their pride is relaxed at some point down the line. But before I get started, guys, normally what I do is uh, please do what I do, okay? Just rub your hands together. Rub your hands together. Show me your palm. Show me the back. Show me the palm. All right, that means at Beast Developmental, we operate with clean hands, guys. You I mean, ask me a question, I answer the question, okay? To the best of my ability. I'm not trying to hide anything or put anything on the back burner. If it's something that is tied up in litigation right now, I'll be happy to say so. If it's something I'm bound by a non-disclosure agreement, I'll be happy to say so. But normally our conversations can be, uh, you know, flowing. And uh, yeah. I'm not too constrained right now or bound by anything that I can't answer cool, cool. directly or in a roundabout way to give the context to the viewer as to how to approach a certain situation if they ever run across that. Because I can remove myself or my situation from my answer. Mm. So I don't read the script, and I just try to keep it 100 the best I can. So, I like that. Hey, man. I'm That's happy good. to be here. I'm happy to be here, guys. So fire away, please. We appreciate it, my yes, brother. Sir. We appreciate it. So we always like to hop into it, just getting everybody started with, like, an introduction to you. So I know I kind of just gave them a brief overview, but can you kind of give them, like, the beginning of it, like, the beginning of the origin with just everything? Well, like, you and your son and, like, just your story. Originally from New Orleans, spent three years in Alabama, one in third grade. Second stint was uh, ninth and 10th grade. Taught me a lot about New Orleans while I was in Alabama. Not so much about Alabama while I was in New Orleans, but I noticed that people talked a little different somewhere else in the country too, not just New Orleans. So with that being said, I noticed that, you know, tidbits, full disclosure, about Alabama, people would introduce themselves with their whole name. I say, you know what? I learned that in the third grade. I'm picking up on that. I says, okay, you know, you weren't just Joe. You were Joe Wilson. I'm Joe Wilson. Well, that's Joe Wilson. In New Orleans, we introduce you by, oh, that's Mr. Joe. Whereas in a business world, I can't do much with Mr. Joe if I need to speak on Mr. Joe's behalf when I'm in a board meeting. I can work with Joe Wilson because I know Joe's first and last name. And I can put it in proper context because there might be five Mr. Joes right outside the door of said meeting. But there's only one Joe Wilson in the lobby waiting to come in. So I think as we want to get in these certain circles, we need to know the expectation level and how we present ourselves as people 
in positions of power with a full understanding of who we're dealing with, starting with something as rudimentary as the name itself. Now, with that being said, I picked up on that early on in Alabama and uh, along with some other things early on. That was the first time I got called the N-word, but I got called the N-word by my best friend. His name was Jeff. His little, his nephew, Justin, was about three years old. And I guess me and Jeff were playing third grade. I was third grade and Justin called me the N-word, but it just came out of his mouth. So, you know, Jeff kind of checked him on it. Don't ever say that again. That's not who Kelly is. But in that moment, it's the first time I ever got called the N-word. It was kind of shook me a minute, but I didn't hold on to it because I knew it was a little kid who probably didn't know any better at the time because I was a kid. So we just kept it moving. But it wasn't a determining factor of me and Jeff's relationship. I said, you know what? Yeah, that was a word. He used it. It hurt for a minute. It was a child, an infant, basically, to put that word out there. He probably heard it somewhere. Maybe that's how they talked in the house. I don't know. But it didn't affect my friendship at the time. So when I see things like that, and that be the breaking point as to how we navigate in and out of these circles, it's almost like, you know what, let me hear the rest of the story. I know it's a very derogatory term that we have ingratiated into our own culture and language. And we use that to describe each other sometimes. So we have taken the bite off of something that was meant to be derogatory towards us. Now, when somebody else says it, then the bite reappears again. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, the bike can conveniently reappear if we want to stand on that as fighting words. So I'm not going to take a position whether it hurts more from us or more from anybody else, but it wasn't going to define how I approach my life and my business. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, and later on, Kelly's life and how we do business. Now, if somebody calls me that, I'll probably take all their teeth out their mouth if I don't like them anyway. So I still am a black man standing in my square mm-hmm. or on my square. So don't get it twisted. But things like that kind of like played a part in my upbringing and how I saw the world, not just how I saw New Orleans, because I know what I get when I go home. To this day, I still want more from New Orleans other than the service industry. Don't mm-hmm. come to my city as a turning tool. up for the weekend and throwing up in the street and leaving on Monday morning, loving the good time you had. And all we got out of it was some squandered resource called money. Mm-hmm. And you have a story to tell because you could drink in the streets for three days in a row and nobody checked you on it. What else is there about us that you remember? If there's nothing else about us that you remember, I think we need to get to work because I want to make you remember not only the good time you had, but what really went into building or making this place. Because this is our sweat equity involved in this for little or no payment every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So am I mad at the infrastructure? No. I'm less inclined to be mad at the infrastructure and more inclined to be mad at the people for not getting off their behinds and doing something about mm-hmm. what they know the infrastructure to be generations, generations and generations ago. So I'm not mad at the world, you know, I'm hungry and I'm hungry to move into these spaces and attack them, but I don't want to go into these situations by myself. So that's a little backstory. I never really got into that much about my motivational piece, I think, but I think to put my story in full context, you got to understand my motivators. Mm-hmm. I would like to understand, you know, what motivates y'all, man, not just for things that you want to happen, but you know, 
what are you going to do to make them happen? So I've instilled that in Kelly. And, you know, we came through, I don't want to gloss over snapshots in time, but, um, you know, my backstory is tied into Katrina. We left the day before, of course. But mm-hmm. something happened a couple of weeks before Katrina. I was actually on the picture of Kelly at the AAU Nationals in the third grade. And that was a couple of weeks before Katrina at that tournament. And the Milk House in Florida, where the guys played in the bubble that last year in the NBA, mm-hmm. I collected 30 business cards from guys all over the country. So when Katrina hit, I had 30 friends I never knew I had strategically placed all throughout the country because I was working. Kelly was born. He got his black belt in Taekwondo. He said he wanted to play basketball. We went to Florida. I'm talking to all these washed-up daddy coaches like myself hanging around, coaching their kids. And I got 30 business cards wrapped in a rubber band on the counter when I get back home that I grabbed on the way out of the house when we went to Houston. I knew five dudes in Houston before I even showed up there. Mm-hmm. I had five phone numbers to call. So that's a little precursor to how it all kicked off. But it's, my thing is foresight, guys, planning, three-dimensional thinking. You know, first, second, and third dimension. I normally start sometimes with the third dimension. How does this story end if I play it right? A lot of people want to start the first dimension. I feel good. I'm living good. I'm eating good. Everything else will fall into place. No, that's not how I think. I thought about the third dimension before I thought about the first dimension because the first dimension a lot of times will be determined by the success of the third dimension and how it's planned out to be successful in that time with that situation. So hmm. hope I answered your question. Guys. Nah, yeah. And uh, it's definitely some nuggets in there that I want to dig a little bit deeper and get into. And I think the very first thing is like the infrastructure of Louisiana, because we're from Louisiana. So we know what it's like to be in that system and in that situation. And a lot of people don't understand Louisiana is different than the whole other continental U.S., Alaska, Hawaii, everywhere. Like we run on a whole different set of codes, even down to our jurisdiction and our government, we're still running off of the Napoleonic codes. So I don't think people truly understand what it's like and how you were saying, you know, you're not frustrated with the system. You're frustrated with the people who haven't done anything yet to change it. Because honestly, that's something that I used to be frustrated with as well coming up as a child, because, you know, you see certain things and you'll hear about, you know, even just from the outside looking in, like looking at the way that certain parishes and the way our school system was structured and how there were always certain type of stories coming out, you know, the superintendent done this or the, this was really corrupt. Nobody was held accountable. Yeah. Like nobody being held accountable. So I kind of want to get a little bit deeper in that and just understanding that and how, like you said, you're able to take that and motivate you. Well, my thing is, I'm a history buff, and I, I want to know what was here before I got here. When I go to Canal Street, I'm looking up. I'm looking at the rooftops over these stores. I'm like, okay, this was something other than these stores on the first floor the whole time. What was here before I got here? And as I navigate my way through New Orleans itself, I'm like, okay, something was here before I got here. Somebody built these buildings. Somebody built the French Quarter. They fight so hard with the Preservation Resource Center to make sure you don't do any construction downtown, unless you go through 12 chains of command and, and a bunch of red tape. So I guess the money can be siphoned off with all these contracts coming into the city. You know, but somebody already structured these things. This is not by coincidence. I think about those oil rigs that we have no more rights to as a means for a resource for us to build as a city and grow instead of relying so much on 
Harris Casino at the foot of Canal Street, crying about how it's going to help us with education. Or the New Orleans, the new bridge, when the new bridge got built, and the old bridge was still the only major thoroughfare between the West Bank and the East Bank, was, okay, we're going to use the toll money to help fund education. Well, now we got to fight with Jefferson Parish over how we're going to split the money. So therefore, we're not going to get 100% of the money in New Orleans to build up our schools, build up our kids. I was in the midst of that because I graduated from Corn, Walter L. Corn in 1987. So as I'm coming into my young manhood, I'm looking at these things on the news and on TV and these mayor, the mayoral, the city council flip. When I say flip, it's almost like you alluded to, who's the next politician that's going to be corrupt? It's almost like a given. Okay, Bill Jefferson, we found how much money in your freezer again? I thought you were a shot caller down here. <laughs> I thought you were making moves. And here we go, looking at these guys segue into other jobs. I'm not going to drop names. I did Mr. Jefferson because it was just egregious that they would walk into his house and find, I think it was 200000 in his freezer. That's crazy. Jeez. Come on, man. And you want the rest of the world to take us serious? Hey. You're going to sacrifice a whole career. And, you know, he had family members involved and children coming up in the political ranks. And this is a stain you want to put on your legacy? This is peanuts. And how is the rest of the world going to take us serious? I think you hit something very, very, that all rig, whenever you talked about us not having control of the all rigs, because for us, we know Louisiana is ranked in the bottom it's 50, 50 bro. for a lot no, of it's things. 50. A lot of things. Like We number but, 50 now. But, but we are one of the highest ranking resource rich states in the nation right? due to timber forest due to oil due to our exports from the shrimping and the fishing mm -hmm. and all of those other things right? right but like you said we don't have control of the money that's actually coming in and we actually yeah. done a research on this it was jared he sent over something there's this panel in louisiana that so is appointed it, yes. by the government it's the governor, the governor appoints this panel, right? right? And they decide on how much property tax to charge these large corporations. We also know being from Louisiana, the plant in Baton Rouge, the Exxon plant in Baton Rouge holds a third of the nation's oil reserves, correct? So the fact that we control these many, this much things, this much resources from our state, but whenever you drive through Louisiana, you see the roads, you it's see vain. the school systems, like you said, you see all of these hurdles and leaps that you got to go through in order to make some type of change. And then once you get to the top of the top, it's like, oh, the only way you can change it is if this person at tops makes this decision. It's nothing about being voted in, it's appointed and stuff. So I can see why that's very frustrating for us to watch. And I can see why that would be motivation for you because it's motivation for us as well. Like I moved to Dallas, Texas in order to get away from me not being able to have access to certain things in the state so I can come back once I run up my bag and really start to make some type of changes and some type of demands. Because we know the only thing they're going to understand is that economical power instead of just, oh, this is a black man trying to make these changes. They don't care about that. Exactly. You know what this reminds me of? As you talking, as I'm talking, what it's always reminded me of since I was a little boy. I'm watching them, and I told you I'm a history buff, and the superpowers have dissected Africa, and they've cut out each, each superpower has cut out a piece to colonize. Mm -hmm. Louisiana reminds me of Africa. 
Mm. Because the resources are stripped away, the people get nothing in return or pennies on the dollar. And we are enslaved basically in our own neighborhoods. But the people have to be the determining force through rebellion, revolt, all out, uh, I guess, coming together and realizing that together we have the power. We're not going to settle for this anymore. And if my life is worth anything, I have to put it on the line right now. So I have ever seen you the one tattoo I have on my body. It's a motivator for me, and it throws off. Put it this way. It's a conversation killer when I wear short pants and I'm in the elevator in Louisiana. <laughs> All right? Because it's Africa bleeding on an upside-down Louisiana. Ooh, wow. The flag is thrown upside-down. That means the land it represents is in distress. Mm. So if I got short pants on, they're looking at it. Why is Louisiana upside-down? Why is I know what Africa is, and why is Africa bleeding on Louisiana upside-down? That's my motivation. That's why you're not going to outwork me. You're not going to take me out. I'm going to keep coming at you. I'm going to keep coming. And I apply it to my business models and principles also. I've been grand at in Kelly throughout the last 25 years. And with that being said, that's my motivational piece. Mm. Along with the things that you talk about. I That's why I can only stay three days sometimes, guys, when I go home. Because <laughs> hey, it's something about that literally number is just kind of like, I feel you. I went home for Easter and I stayed in like exactly three days. Right, right. You know, and I walk in there and once again, I take money off the table because, you know, if I, I get that arrogant a-hole hat on, I tell them, yeah, Boudreaux, I could buy this place. I could put mechanisms in place to start the process to buy this place. But you know what? I'm very quiet when I go home. When I get on these podcasts and I'm talking, my family knows, yeah, I heard you talking, Louis, talking. About this, I never knew that about you. This is exactly because you never saw me for anything other than that little kid in the box you put me in a long time ago. Mm. Y'all really don't know Kelly like that because Kelly was never in Louisiana past the fourth grade for y'all to get close to him or next to him or sell that mojo that hooju on it that he needs to help y'all out because I kept him away on purpose because I've always wanted my people to go to school to show me that you want to get in this game. This is a vicious game that I'm in. But I smile with every step because I'm a daddy while I'm doing it. Mm. Mm. I have a relinquished that right to be a daddy wearing many hats. So I take pride in what I do. And one thing me and Eversaw was talking about this is I have never run across anybody within my immediate circle growing up that came to me and says, hey, Kelly, how can I help you? It's always, uh, what can I get from you? Damn. Mm. And that's what happens as you ascend. Mm-hmm. I start looking for like I told you I think backwards guys I look for the third dimension how can somebody come to me and say that I love you know and I can latch on to let me see your credentials because you've worked to be in a position and you have everything to lose just like I have you just wasn't waiting at the finish line for this to get done because up until draft night all this shit was cute then all of a sudden I had all these these people who love me so much all of a sudden, they knew so much about Kelly. And they were always willing to hear the story over and over again. Now, it's like double dutch with them. How can I jump in now? How can mm-hmm. I? Let me ask you a question. If that bullet train is coming through Japan at 100 miles an hour, how are you going to get on that? Good luck. Too late. Too late. I mean, so you can watch. You can watch it come through. You can watch how precise it is. Because the planning went into the engineering. The planning mm-hmm. went into the track. The planning went into the materials. I was doing that with nobody around me in Houston. 
I was designing meticulously, methodically, placing him in strategic positions mm-hmm. along with myself so we could have this parallel journey together. But I wasn't waiting. I was trying to educate my people back home. This is what I'm doing. Oh, boy, you tripping. This is what I'm doing. Your son ain't that good. This is what I'm doing. Let me know when they're back in town. We ain't traveling to go see him. This is what I'm doing. Oh, when they get to the fourth round of the high school champ uh, playoffs, then we going to come drive five hours down the road to come check him out. Oh, they got knocked out. Damn, we was coming next week. No, you weren't. You were never coming. Mm. All of a sudden on draft night, you're shocked. You're surprised. You didn't see him on TV seven times to see you in high school on ESPN, Finlay Prep. You know, Nike Global Challenge, uh, Nike Global Games, Under Army Elite, Jordan Brand Classic, McDonald's All-American, in the Milk House uh, once. And it was another incident, uh, another uh, thing that had him on TV doing something. Oh, the Hoop Hall Classic. Yeah, when he was at Finlay. So the beauty of it all, brother, is knowing the journey itself and what it took to get to this point. Therefore, I told you, I, I spent a lot of quiet time, man. And it's not how you like me now situation. It's more of a uh, putting things in proper perspective for what mm-hmm. they are, not for what I want them to be. Because for a long time, I wanted somebody in my immediate circle to step up and be willing to learn as I was learning and going through the motion. But, you know, people have stuff to do, I guess. Now I got stuff to do. <laughs> so, Mr. Uber, look, look I want to get into the journey some with you because you, you kind of touched on it. You When you said you went to Houston, you already had those five people that you knew, right? Mm-hmm. So like, to everybody, you look crazy. I think that's a good lesson to entrepreneurship a lot of the times, because it looked crazy to people. Like you got a plan, they don't, they don't see the vision, right? But you got the vision. So like, what was the strategic way that you worked this out to like help develop your son? First of all, walking and looking for the hot dudes in town. First of all, who's the hot? Kelly got his black belt, like I said. He was uh, wanting to do basketball now. So I got to get him back in the gym as quick as possible. Lifetime Fitness, I don't know if y'all know what that is. Mm-hmm. Special. But let me just say the new people in town. I don't use victims. I don't use refugees. I'm not a victim of anything. I'm not a refugee of anything. So they don't get it mm-hmm. twisted. So a special for a whole month to decompress for the new people in town. Y'all come. Y'all enjoy our facilities, the courts, the weight room, the pools, the curly slide on the pool. Just to help y'all, welcome y'all to Texas. I was training Kelly because I never missed a beat. We got to get back in the gym, bro. I, you know, whatever happened is happening back home. It's happening back home. But we need to decompress. I started training him, and I started looking around. I started seeing pros in the building. Wait a minute. This is not a coincidence. Okay, I'm looking at, you know, Andre Ware, former Heisman Trophy winner. I'm playing basketball with him. Roderick Thomas, linebacker for the Cowboys. T.R. Brown, who was at the time a point guard for the Toronto Raptors. Wait a minute. Oh, there's not a coincidence why these pros are in Texas because they retire here because of the tax breaks. Ah, and as I'm working them out every day at Lifetime Fitness, I'm noticing that they're bringing their kids too to work them out. Okay, so now he's making friends with guys in high places or athletes who have gone through this before and have retired here. Therefore, my basketball conversation graduates at that point I know the five guys there. They're telling me who the hot teams in town are. Now I'm meeting new guys who happen to be pros, who I can talk contractual possibilities for the future with, you know, depending on how things play out. So my wheels are constantly turning and spinning. I'm meeting people like Everest, graduate of University of, of Houston, his god brother, 
who runs the number one team in town in Houston on the AAU circuit at the 17s level. I'm talking about, I don't get this in Louisiana, fellas. Mm-hmm. I get that one kid, that one kid that's hot that everybody wants to get a piece of. No, they got a hundred of these kids in Texas who think they're going pro because of who their daddies are, the situations they're in. And look at Kelly's in a different pipeline now, playing with us eventually as his body grows, playing against us, okay, washed up daddy coaches, and a smattering of these college athletes from Texas because there are 23 Division I colleges in Texas alone. Everybody at lifetime. Everything is open run. So he's cutting his teeth. His body's changing. He's growing. The physicality of the game means nothing anymore. He ain't cute no more. Once he hits seventh, eighth grade, he's trying to go for it too because this is all he's known. Why would I come back to Louisiana to a situation that hasn't fully grown past what happened five, six, seven years ago? I can't bring him back into that as a daddy, Mm -hmm. you know, consciously and expect a desired result here. So Mm. it was easier for me on that because keep in mind, two, three, four years ahead of him was the hot dudes. Two, three years with him is a hot dude. Two, three years behind him are pros too. Carson Edwards, Boston Celtics, behind Jared Vanderbilt, okay? Uh, Darren Fox, all guys that came up under him. He was their big brother before him. Who we got? Who's out there right now? Damian Dyson, New York Knicks. Sheldon Mack, I don't know if he's still in the league. We got, oh, Jared Allen and Miles Turner. Miles Turner was right there with Kelly. Jared mm-hmm. Allen was right behind Kelly. So, guys, this is what I'm talking about. You got him exposure. Yes, sir. Yes, P.J. Brown, high school prime prep. Terrence Ferguson, prime prep. He went against him in high school. Emmanuel Moody was right there with Kelly in the 2014 class. Justin Jackson, Justice Winslow, all these are pros, guys. This is a lot of Texas. It's not even just exposure. Now he's being conditioned because, because this is who he's – naturally around now I see and win, winners breed winners that's right you gotta and i try to tell my parents if i'm talking to you i'm trying to show you help develop a blueprint for you don't blow me off so many parents blew me off because they thought i was crazy but they try to call me now it's too late what you call me for oh can you make a phone call to try to get him in summer league i don't do that mm. i don't leverage my warm market like that i appreciate my friends in my warm market for the professionals they are. I don't call in favors, okay, for things that aren't prepared or ready for the moment because I don't know that they've done the work. You either did the work or you did not. That's it. Kelly did the work or he did not. That's it. Why would I give somebody a situation that they're not ready for to watch them fail miserably just because they moms and daddies who refused to bring them to practice all week showed up on Saturday morning and got disappointed because their son got exposed? Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't insult me like that. We put the work in around here. I was to say, that's on you. You don't put the work in. I love that paradigm right there because, like, I feel like too often in life people like to really act like that's not the case. Like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, are you going to put the work in or are you not? Because it just boils down to that. Like, Kelly, with your son, like Jalen was mentioning, he was exposed to these people, and he's seen the level of work it took. Mm-hmm. And he probably had to eat with you. 
I love how you get the washed up daddy coach thing that you keep saying. Like it's funny because it's like you a washed up daddy coach until you're not. Until you're not. Until like, you're, you can always go back to be who you were, the washed up daddy coach. Mm, it's cool with me. I mean, you can't hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings. I hurt my own damn feelings. Harder you gonna hurt. All the while, you still putting in the work. Yeah. We in here putting in the hours. We doing the drills. We learning the things. We we networking with professionals, athletes who played on a high level, making it real. Like I know I've heard several athletes talk about that. And you see that with like a lot of families, right? They'll have like this brother, like uh, the Watt family or somebody like that, or like Peyton Manning and them kids. Like, you know, the family has had a bunch of pros in it. Like right. you're getting him access to that type of stuff. Like you said, in Louisiana, that's not realistic. Nah. If he stays in this same environment, the story's completely One different. or two things is going to happen. Either he's going to outwork everyone and get to that top, and, and he'll be and he'll be the number one guy, and or he'll succumb to the environment that's placed by him. Exactly, exactly, and that's the reality that I grew up in. So why would I expose Kelly to the same reality? Mm. I know this already, but I don't know that. I'm willing to reinvent myself five or six times to help him go through this process because I know this is going to be cutting edge one day. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not a poker player guy. But if I had to walk into a casino and place all my bet on one thing, I'm sliding everything to the middle of the table. I'm going to say all bets on Uber. I ain't got time to sit here. I don't drink. I don't smoke. And I don't like this place. All bets on Uber. Roll the dice. Do the crab ball. Whatever y'all got to do. Put a little Uber stick on one of them little slots and all bets on Uber. Because I ain't got time to be sitting here smiling in y'all face with the political portions of this thing. Because I know there's no substitute for that work. And the beauty of that is trying to, you know, hope that there are parents out here that are willing to do whatever it takes, not throw how much gas they spent in a player's face to drive across country to put him in a position for him to go out there and do his best. If the young athlete, a young diamond, like I refer to a beast developmental, a young diamond realizes that that trusted advisor will spare no expense to put them in a position to win or on a stage to compete because they're ready, not because it's a parental fulfillment dream or a vicarious lifestyle through the young athlete or diamond, then that young diamond is more inclined to realize that, you know what? I got a soldier next to me and we're going to do this shit together. Mm. Okay. Not because I deliver a return and he's going to shoot me in my head because I don't deliver to what they deem success to be. There's so many ways to be successful in and around this game of basketball. A lot of people are short-sighted thinking that it's pro or bust. Mm. Therefore, they paint that picture for their young athlete or their young diamond that if you don't make it, then I don't have nothing else to do with you because you can't deliver the return I was expecting because you're making me look bad now. No, you made me look bad my whole life, mama, daddy. Mm. Keep it a buck, you know? And what it sounds like is you're mixing, like you said, being a strategic advisor. Yes, sir. And being a parent, but you're making those two come together and mesh. And I got to ask a question and I want you to speak to anyone who's listening, who is a parent or who might be in your position. How do you stay motivated while also still having that compassion for the child? Cause like you just said, I think that's really what you're blending together. You blend in where you're motivating them and driving them to their highest point. But like you said, they know that if I don't reach that height, they're not going to throw it in my face. They're still going to love me for who I am. How does a marathoner stay motivated after mile five, mile 10? Nobody's around them except the people in front of them or the people behind them. 
you know, pretty soon, you know, you're going in a 26 mile race. I think it's a marathon of 26 miles in a 26 mile race. You're going to hit them dead patches where the fans ain't around cheering you on no more. I've always looked at my life as a marathon. And quite frankly, I might be halfway there. Honestly, I think I just took my pamper off. Honestly, I'm just keeping it a buck, which I mean, I mean, there's no timeline in which I can gauge my success here. Oh, yeah. Well, he got drafted. I could drink. I could smoke. I could post up on Instagram. No, I'm not finished yet. Y'all can do that. I never did that. So why would I start now? I'm going to go get some cookies and give me a glass of milk and I'm going to go to bed. and I'll be ready in the morning to do this again and again and again and again and again. Whatever situation we're in, whatever team he's on, whatever apartment I'm in, it's all four walls to me. You know, I finally got the car I wanted sitting outside in the garage. It's a car to me. Mm-hmm. It just happens to look like that car looked is similar to the car look when my grandmother took me and my son to Maison Blanche when we were little boys and she bought us two of those cars in the case. I think his was a Grand Prix racer and mine was the black Porsche, I think it was. But my car similarly looks like that car because that's what burned in my mind as to what I wanted. That was my vision board at mm-hmm. six years old. Let's get this party started. I'm going to get to this point. Love my cousins to death, but they came from two-parent homes. I did not. Mom and dad broke up a long time ago, but they were there within each other's midst the whole time. I love, love my parents. You know, they, they'll be in a room with no problem. We'll all sit down and have a good time. But it was still some kind of separation and division along the way. I got a chance to explore things early in my life, make my own mistakes, you know, win some fights, lose some fights. But all kind of shaping and molding who I was and how I was going to approach the world. So the beauty of it is a melting together, like you said, my Machiavellian principle, Niccolo Machiavelli, the prince. Anybody out there, read the book. I don't care. Listen to the cliff notes. I don't give a damn how you do it. Listen to whatever you got to do. But you realize that he studied styles. I studied styles. I just sit back quietly and study styles. I can break down a player in five or ten minutes by watching them play. I don't want to resort to that. I prefer to watch whole games, tendencies over time, so I can get a real assessment of a good ball player, you know, or a mediocre ball player, or a ball player that needs a lot of work. But at the same time, I need to do a thorough assessment too for myself. So I'm not becoming one of many gurus out here who know every damn thing, who miss consistently every year because they project on upside for the draft. That's why the 15 class Kelly came out of college with, everybody chose it before him at 15. A lot of them have experienced struggles because they were given starting positions too early. And a lot of them are one foot out of the league are gone already. But they were lottery picks. Who said they were lottery picks? Well, somebody made a phone call to somebody else and said, pick this kid here because you owe me a favor. I owe you a favor. But we haven't done the research on this kid because the things that that kid was when he got drafted in 15 are the same things he is now six years removed. Who knew? All you had to do was do the assessment instead of making a phone call. So the business of it all is going to be just that, the business of it all that you either going to do or participate in or you're not. So I don't make a lot of phone calls. And ever since I tell you, I don't ask a lot of how and why questions. I find my own answer. And I deduce, you know, at the end of me doing my research to what the possibilities are in that situation, with that situation. So the business is there and the business is not going anywhere. So, you know, the Machiavellian principle, the Agogi principle, A-G-O-G-E, write that down, look it up. A-G-O-G-E. That's why Kelly got his black belt in Taekwondo. It's a rice of passage. For a man, if you look at the movie 300, 
Look at Gladiator. You see him out there fighting with the swords, the little boys? That's the Agogi principle. That's when you've got to go out there, Dinka Trisma, go out there, young, and write a manhood. you got to go kill a lion with your hand. We don't have that in our community, guys. Mm. We need to get back to that. That's civilization building mm. concepts. Wasn't well, just by chance. You know, you did it or you didn't. Mm-hmm. You're going to fight her or you're not. You're going to help sustain the village or you're not. Mm-hmm. So that kind of the focus of beast development? Yes, sir. Beast developmental. Yes, sir. That's beast developmental, my bad. That is the primary focus of it all. In Americanized, westernized, watered down way. I hate to say it because I can't ask Kelly to go out there and kill lions with his bad hand. So mm-hmm. let me get you to taste blood in your mouth at six years old so you know it ain't going to kill you while you're in Taekwondo getting that black belt. Now, will other parents go that hard? I don't know. Don't do that to my baby. You being cruel and mean. Okay, I'll see you on the end. You do it your way, I'm going to do it my way. I'll see you when we can square up at the end of this. Let's see whose way worked and whose way did. Mm. Can you go a little bit deeper into these developmental and how did you come up with this and what is your whole reasoning for what you started? All right. Beast developmental is a concept that started when Kelly was born. How can I give him an added advantage on life itself, on what he would grow up into and see around him and how he can filter that Machiavellian principles the whole time? Three-dimensional approaches and styles that he studied, what works for others might not work for him, and being able to quickly pivot from that. Of course, because we all have role models. We all have people we see along the way that we want to be like. We all see things we want to have. But if it's not something that's attainable for you in that moment, you got to make a quick pivot or reassess how you're going to go about getting it. Visa mm-hmm. Elemental, if you look at my logo, guys, it's a diamond in the middle of three very thick walls. The diamond represents the athlete. On top of the diamond is the word beast developmental. That's me. That's the drone, if you will. That's the drone overseeing every aspect of the diamond. To the right of the diamond is the word trusted advisor, or what I call my clarifiers. That's the preferably a biological connected parent or biologically connected person to the diamond himself that has seen the diamond grow up and go through hardships along the way and persevere where they can speak to about how that was and how that young diamond came out of that situation. A lot of people can't do that with youngsters because Mm -hmm. they weren't around, okay? But if a trusted advisor or a clarifier can bring that young diamond back to center to redirect them to keep them back on track, that they can go on together as a parallel journey, then that's a trusted advisor over there, not just one of many or what I call a justifier that is not a clarifier. Now, along with that trusted advisor status, you got to keep in mind, you can't be compromised. That's the beauty of being a trusted advisor. I am one of one. There's no rival to me as a trusted advisor. Kelly knows there's no rival to me as his trusted advisor because I never have to justify anything. All I got to do is clarify a thousand times if he needs me to. I'll repeat the same thing over and over again if the point, it has to be made. Under that diamond in the middle, I want my young diamonds to be positioned over the peers. The peers are at the bottom because I want them to always feel special or a cut above. And that's what we're going to work to. The trusted advisor, myself, and the young diamond, like a triangle, are going to work to stay above his peers or her peers, okay? To the left of that is the governing body. We all have a boss. We all have rules we have to play by, whether it be federal, state, local government, mandates. Kelly has the NBA now. He had the NCAA at one point. 
At one point, he had the EYBL and the Adidas Nations. You can't go out here acting a fool or they're going to cut you. They're going to cut you. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that is my logo, guys. Beast of Elemental, diamond in the middle, surrounded by three very thick walls for protection, trusted advisor to the right or clarifier, peers always at the bottom, governing body to the left, surrounding the diamond in the middle, and Beast of Elemental can speak to every aspect of the process. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like how you broke that down. I like how it was very strategic the way you done it. And uh, could we get into I kind of want to get into down the justify. Yeah, that's the what clarifier. I was just about to ask. I was, because I really think that's an important point to jump on with people whenever you start evaluating your circle and the people in your life. Like whenever you mention like justifying and clarifying, I think of people that like yes men in your circle versus people who might even point out like just hey, no, they you may be thinking wrong here or like, you know, stuff like that. So can we get into that song? You're spot on with that assessment. That's how I'm glad I, evidently I was affected in my presentation of that. You notice I don't read from a script, guys. This has been 20 plus years in the making in my mind and streamlining it the whole time. I started out with like 10, 10 things around the, the diamond. Like, no, that's too much. Mm-hmm. That's too many people in his ear. That's too many underlying factors that are uncontrollable. Let's control what we can control and govern or manage the things that we can't control. I can't govern or manage his peers. They're gonna be who they are. I can't govern or manage the governing body. That's who they are. They set the laws. We just have to play by the laws and the rules. And once we know the rules, we can capitalize within the the game. So with that being said, a clarifier, I'm gonna give you a two house concept, clarifier, justifier. You ride down the street, on the right of the street, you got a house. With a bunch of cars in the driveway, people parked on the lawn, a bunch of people always in and out, coming and going, always loud over there, always noisy, and a lot of activity and very busy. Okay, grass unkept because the grass is dead, garbage can, trash all over the place, just total chaos. But in that house, there's a phone in the corner, the red phone. It always stays ringing. All right? That is what I call the justifier house because whoever's in that house either is... One of many, because that's why so many people are there, and they have to either talk to each other or they were sent there to be in that house by somebody on their behalf. And that red phone in the corner is always the devil calling because he knows he can call that phone because he has a tie into whoever's in that house to get his work or his bidding done. Okay? House across the street, grass is perfect. Single car, always clean. Everything about that house is beautiful. Okay, one person in the house relaxing, chilling, listening to jazz, eating what they want, drinking what they want, doing what they want. That's what I call the clarifier house because he's earned the right to be a clarifier for the young diamond. Okay, that he can support and never be compromised or never be someone that goes across the street because he has to and join that crowd over there because that crowd is a chaotic crowd. His crowd is not because he's a crowd of one or two, maybe if it's a two parent home, which I strongly encourage as a support mechanism. So if I had a choice as a young diamond sitting in the middle of the street, looking left side, right side, what house would I gravitate to? Because it's all about the young diamond and the growth of said young diamond along the way. And as we ask young athletes and they make a decision that's in their best interest, you know, in that moment or moving forward, which house would they prefer if we've done our job as parents or trusted advisors or clarifiers 
they are probably strongly going to lean hard towards a peaceful, calm environment where they could come and go as they please and be provided for, as opposed to that chaotic nonsense across the street, where it's just a bunch of people hanging out, offering them stuff, trying to give them stuff. But there's always a catch involved and that devil's always calling on that phone because that same red phone is, is in a clarifier house, but it never rings because the devil knows better. Mm. So you got to put the devil in his place in your life. And if he's in his place, then okay, he can try you. But he knows he has to deal, you know, he has to deal with God. Mm. And he has to deal with somebody who doesn't get enamored with high dollar conversation because they're trying to siphon their little piece off or their percentage off because that's their driving force or was their driving force the whole time. Where's the pot at the end of the rainbow? There's no pot. This is a marathon. Keep running and shut up. Mm. That's the way I look at it, fellas. Hope that mm. was a good break, nah, I like the way you broke that down. Even down to the last point of like, there's no pot at the end. Like right. it's a marathon. You got to keep on running. Keep running. I like how you broke that down. Though. It was good, you know, and, and I run across men my age. I'm 52. That still don't get the concept, but they've been doing this. They've been agents. They've been financial advisors. They've been lawyers in the sports field. They've been doing this their whole lives and they still don't get it because they're still calling me, asking me, how do I talk to these youngsters? Well, I'm 52 and you're 52. Are you older than me? You 60 and you still don't know how to talk to the people you claim you've been servicing for the last 30, 40 years. Mm. Maybe because I did it my own way. I, I drew my own blueprint as I was going. I was willing to fail and never compromise myself because I knew what no meant. No is the most powerful word I could ever use. Or no, I'll put it this way. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Mr. Uber, you need anything? No, thank you. I don't come with my hand out. Therefore, that kind of upsets the apple cart sometimes when you deal with people in my space that are only used to that. There's always a dollar amount, a compromising point. Well, if I take that off the table, then you kind of lost when you deal with me because you have no intel on me. That was your whole leverage. That's my leverage. <laughs> so I went from New Orleans with those that had nothing to Houston where everybody had big houses and big cars. So I was able to leverage the two against each other because Houston did not want me to take him back to New Orleans to go play with his team he left which I wound up doing in his sophomore year when he wasn't being treated right in Houston. I just simply picked him up, drove five hours down the road, and put him back on his team from New Orleans. Houston was pissed off and they wanted to talk because he got to Adidas at that point from Nike in Houston, then to Adidas in New Orleans, then he lit it up. I was working security one night. I had three jobs, man. I was hustling. Even if Kelly was traveling without me, I still had to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I'm getting these phone calls and he didn't cross uh, shoe brands strategically by me from Nike. You know, y'all got him on the bench. Okay. I'm going to send it to Adidas for the last live period. You know, this summer, he didn't drop 40 and 45, two days in a row. Now I got, I'm not going to use names, but I got the Georgetown coach blowing my phone up. I got the Missouri coach blowing my phone up and here we go. We will offer him right now. Please. Can you commit to us right now? Or oh, let's get this conversation started so we can get you whatever you need. Well, first of all, thanks for the call, Coach. I'm at work walking the grounds because I'm a security guard at a hotel. There's nothing that I need. And he's a sophomore in high school. So we're just going to enjoy the recruiting process in this moment as a sophomore because he can't make a hard commitment to anybody anyway. No, we can't structure some backdoor deal and get you to lock him up early on. Mm-hmm. We'll just, uh, you know, go through the process. And the whole time I'm thinking I have to gauge Kelly's personality every step of the way while I'm teaching him 
how this game really works, too. I'm working security guy. And I'm like, he in Indiana tearing it up. He'll be home in a couple of days. And we'll just evaluate what he saw. And by the time that weekend was over, the Nike guy called me back the next morning telling me cooler heads have prevailed. They were sorry they didn't put him on the floor, yada, yada. And respectfully, I said, well, sir, we can revisit this conversation next year because he's already committed to his New Orleans team for the end of the summer. Thank you. That was it. Strategy. Hmm. Well, you said not burning the bridges, just no. like doing it respectfully. No, respectfully. I'm not burning bridges because I don't have to. I'm in a position of power. Therefore, that don't mean we got to be two bulls in the middle of the ring trying to kill each other. You made your decision to bench him. I made my decision to move him. We can revisit our decisions next year because I have made commitments to someone else at this point in time for Kelly's betterment. So if there's a meeting of the minds at a later date between you and I, then fine. We can reassess and reevaluate at that point in time. But as of now, you shot your shot, I shot my shot, and I'm standing firm on my shot. And I like that approach because, once again, you knew your leverage. You knew what you bought to offer. But Taking once again, money it, off the table you too. also say, yeah, like not being compromised because there are other people that are like, man, I'm working three jobs. Okay, this is the means to the end. Like you say, what can you do to help me now? I take this. But at the same time, you give up all your leverage now. Everything. Everything. Once you let him in, you can't get rid of him. He's going to introduce you to more devils. And you have to answer the phone. You know why? Because he's going to call you and ask you, hey, my man called you. Why you didn't answer the phone? Mm. Now, that's a hell of a position to be in. And you got the two eyes looking at you, knowing you sold him out. Come on, man. Let's keep it a buck. So, damn. Are you shaving again? Are you having a good conversation? At some point, knowing that you might be exposed to your young diamond? You can't really be a trusted advisor if you're out here making short-sighted decisions. Exactly. All you are is a justifier. You've been a justifier the whole time, masking as a clarifier or a trusted advisor. Good luck with that. Looking over your shoulder or looking down, hoping that this child don't find out that you sold him up the river a long time ago for a pair of red bottoms or a handbag or the light bill or the car note or the Rolex. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Come on, man. Lexus. We didn't seen this before. Thing about it is I'm not being disrespectful to the coaches involved, the runners, the trainers, the agents. I'm not. That's just part of the process. That's how they played the game and won for so long. And quite frankly, everybody has their own way to do business. But at the same time, as a parent, that's the power I'm talking about. We should have our own blueprints and models that we develop organically to do business also. Can't just walk in the gym crying about, I don't know this game like you do, and give all my power to somebody that I don't even know. No, no. If I don't know the game like you do, I'm going to sit my butt here and I'm going to study this game. I'm going to be guided through a beast developmental concept to know what to look for, to understand, to see, to comprehend, to see what could be leverage here and really settle back in my own power because that parent or trusted advisor a lot of times don't know the power they had to begin with anyway. Mm. So, That's powerful, man. That is very like, powerful. I, and I kind of want to get into the being a parent piece of just a little bit more with you being that you're a black father, you know, you out here, you, you mentioned it like you were grinding, you were sacrificing, you were putting yourself on the back burner, you out here working three jobs to make sure your son can be in the places and spaces he needs to be so that your plan can actually happen. Like, can we speak more to just like being a father and like the weight of the decisions and the importance of that? Cause I feel like in our community, I was blessed to grow up in a two parent household. I got my mom, my dad, my dad is definitely somebody I like, 
whenever you introduce the concept of a trusted advisor to me, I never thought about it, but parents are automatically trusted advisors. You value your parents' opinion. They brought you into this world. Right. Like, can you get into some of that? Just like how fatherhood, like the journey of it, I guess, and the importance. Well, I mean, it requires uh, you to have some sturdy shoulders. I'm just not Kelly's daddy. I'm probably the daddy to all his friends, too, in a roundabout way, because my talk track doesn't change. It's repetitive because his friends are telling him who his daddy is right now in the league. You know, your daddy talked to me five years ago about this current situation I'm in right now or situations like that. I got guys all over the league, the G League, and overseas right now. I got probably a roster of 15, 20 guys, honestly. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. They call me. They drop me a line. Let me know how you're doing. I drop them a line. How you making out? What's good? Good job on that. Look at this. Look at that. Have you ever thought about this? So it's almost like not being able to not spread yourself far and wide once the message is what it is. And that's what I like about it, because I can have the same conversation with Kelly's friend on another team in the NBA that I can have with Kelly because I don't change my messaging. Mm -hmm. I don't change the packaging because I'm in uh, Whole Foods now and not Kroger's or Schwagman's no more. I don't change the packaging. The message is what it is. The growth is what it is. And as a daddy, man, I'm not looking around for other daddies to be just like me. If you understand, you know what I'm talking about, fine. But don't put yourself in a position where you are trying to call me at the 11th hour as a daddy, knowing that you've been ignoring the process the whole time. You were just hoping it fell in the right place and you could look good at the end. Funny example, friend of mine. And I'll put it out there straight up because it pissed me off when it happened. And I'm going to tell you what it has culminated into as of last week. Friend of mine, I'm working at UPS. And hey, man, anything you can get me on over there? Yeah, you know, we'll probably work something out. You know, let me put a good word in for you. He gets the job. A couple of months into it, he realized how hard it really is. I'm hustling. Kelly's born. At this point, fellas, I don't give a damn. I'm going to get it. I'm trying to put together two part-time shifts, preload and unload. Yeah. Okay? Preload and unload. Because I'm there for the benefits, not the money. Because even a part-time employee at UPS get a full benefit pack. Because mm -hmm. they're union. So I put together two part-time shifts. I help the guy get on. The guy gets in there, he looks around. This shit is too hard for him. He can't do it. He don't want to do it, yada, yada. He takes the roller that we roll into the trucks for unload. He tries to break his own hand. No, man. Because he wants to collect on a workman's comp. Whoa. All right? Now, bro, I told you, bro. Hey, I'm clean hands, boss. Yeah. I'm not using names. I'm just trying to tell you the levels of this nonsense. That is foolish. He tries to break his own hand to get a workman's comp claim generated. And this is somebody I kind of vouch for, I put as a reference. 
So here I am looking stupid, feeling stupid at a young age. And I'm still grinding. Kelly at home, me a baby, newborn baby. So the same guy has a young athlete, a young diamond playing baseball. And jumped in my DMs last week. Hey, uh, I saw the work that you're doing, Beast Developmental, yada, yada. Can you help me out with the process? I said, all right, I thought about it. I said, all right, I'm still pissed off, fellas. I ain't going to lie, bro. I mean, you went against the one thing that I hold dear, true, true to me, and that's my word. So in that moment, I'm thinking past him. I'm thinking more about his young athlete. You know what I told him? Well, brother, with all due respect, I think what you've done for him to this point is all you can do for him. It's time to turn him over to pros. That's the best advice in real time I could give him because I know if there's a shred of that mentality that I knew is still in him, mm-hmm. he's looking for that pot at the end of the rainbow. He's not worried about that boy playing baseball. And I think the kid is in college right now, and he's a very prominent baseball. Because, you know, they post a lot of stuff on social media. So I'm thinking the kid has maybe a shot to do some big things, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I had to separate my personal feelings from the situation of what I knew it was to be at a, a long time ago and deal through it right now and how it would affect that young athlete. And the information, I thought about that, and I had to dig a little bit. How can I help this athlete? knowing that he's probably in the midst of some BS right now or being looked at as a cash cow because that's the last that dealings that I had with his daddy. So the best thing I could do was do what I did with Kelly. I went back to that time in Houston, surround him with pros. Mm. So I hope that was a good anecdote for you to drive the point home. I still have to separate myself from the personal feelings of the parents and their deficiencies to still drill down and see how can I help the athlete. As a daddy, as a trusted advisor, as a clarifier, as beast developmental, as somebody who views everybody's child as a potential diamond, because everybody's child may still have a career in or around the game they love, not so much as a ball player, ticket sales, sports management, sports medicine, sports law, all kinds of stuff has to start somewhere. But a four-year degree is still something good to have, especially if you ain't got to pay for it. So that's a fact, you know, I got to be bigger than situations. And I find myself, that's why I tell people, I jokingly say, you know, I, I kind of like not dealing with parents. I like dealing with kids because parents, you know, they'll do it. They wait until they realize they wait on work. And at that point, they got a decision to make. They either own it or they blame somebody. And a lot of people like to blame other people. <laughs> it's easy. It's the easiest way out. Right. You know, it's easy, you know. <laughs> I internalize, okay, how can I be better? Every morning I wake up on it, how can I be better? How can I be better? How can I be better? And without burning, because I can burn a whole house down and go sit across the street and watch it burn. But that's the little one inside of me knowing that I started from the bottom. I started with nothing. So if I'm back to nothing, I can do it all over again anyway. That's different when you're dealing with somebody with that mentality where nothing you walk into the room matters to them. You say, Louisiana, I think we cut a little different, bro. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, we don't get the gray area on a lot of stuff. You are or you're not. Yep, exactly. You know. Keep it funky with me and keep it funky with yourself. Like, what is it going to be? I don't want to hear no, is that like, keep it like it is. We can either accept what it is Mm -hmm. or we can move past it and just keep on going our our ways. That's it. And I'm not letting that go. That's me. I'm not letting me go in this process. And Like I said, it's four walls, fellas. I mean, stand next, you know, what's next? Let's get it. Love it, man. Yeah, I love it too, man. So, And I just want to ask, like, 
No, I was going to just ask, like, if anyone, a parent or, like you said, a coach would like to work with you and Bees Developmental, how can they go about that process? Reach out to Everest at Bees Developmental. That's all our social media handle, uh, at Bees Developmental. And let's set something up. Um, normally, what I do is uh, I assess the situation. I assess the ask. I find out what the, the pain points are. And, you know, we do the consultation piece, of course to see if there's some longevity there within the business. But if it's a one-off question that they have and they're struggling with something, sometimes I can stretch it out to two or three questions. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, especially if I'm talking to a young diamond or a trusted advisor who really cares, who really is interested in the marathon, not the sprint, or the coach who's not trying to pimp the kid off to the next destination for a monetary reward. We went through that in, in high school. So I can speak to that. I can speak to a lot of different stops or pieces along the way. So hit us up at Beast Developmental. I love the uh, helping people turn pain into power mm-hmm. because they can use that pain that was flipped into power as a foundational piece mm-hmm. as they grow and build as a unit, not just an individual. So just hit us up, man. I'm here. I mean, people always wonder, okay, what's the catch? Come on, man. Damn. I can't take it to the grave with me. I mean, over the last 20 plus years, I've given away more information than I could ever monetize. Mm-hmm. So put it this way. And looking at the grand scheme of things, I have to ask myself, how would I monetize this in a setting? Well, of course, I come in at a very low dollar amount considering the situation. So it's almost like that, that scale you get when you go to counseling, depending on, you know, what you can afford, that type of thing. I mean, it's not something to be monetized where I'm going to be a millionaire 10 times over based on the backs of young black men, young black athletes, or young diamonds or trusted advisors. I think the information is more powerful than the money. Mm. So. Hit us up at Peace Development. I look forward to all the calls, man. I live for this. You know, you wonder, yes, what was my calling, God? What do you put me on this earth for? I look around, man, and I'm like, okay, well, sometimes I'm by myself. I'm sorry. A lot of times I'm by myself. And would I like to coach people in this area? Of course I would. But do I know everybody's pure intentions? Of course I don't. So how can I expect you to see a situation like I see it unless I know you're uncompromising? How many people are going to turn and walk away from a million dollar conversation? Not too many, man. And the worst part is they don't care what they sign. That's it, you know. And a lot of people walk into that trying to leverage and position. You know, look at the uh, young running back from uh, LSU situation and the, the video, the audio that came out. I know that guy who was on the audio. That's the same guy I would have had to eventually run into if I brought Kelly back to Louisiana. Mm. So come on, man. And I smoked that guy out in five minutes the first time I met him. I said, nah, bro, you ain't ready for me. <laughs> I'm an orca. You worrying about you swimming with great whites. Orcas kill great whites, bro. Mm. You know, we flip We put them in a canatonic state. We turn them on their back and we devour them from the bottom. The orcas are so designed, they go for the liver. They know where the shark's liver is. Exactly. Rip it out and uh, let them float. And then they leave the rest of the carcass because all I wanted was the liver anyway. Yeah. I just learned that actually like two weeks ago. I never heard. That's why they call killer whales, bro. That's right. That's right. That's right. So people say, well, you know, you play chess, you play checkers. No, bro, I play Jenga. Calculate. You know what happens in Jenga if you make a wrong move. It all come down. It all come down. So y'all can play chess and checkers over there in the corner if y'all want to, but I'm going to play Jenga over there. Like that. Yeah. That's a different type of game. Real talk. So... 
Mr. Uber, man, I want to go to the last segment of the show. So I want to ask you, what's on your timeline? What's something you've seen out there in the world that you just want to speak on, man? Educational pieces for parents and young diamonds together as a unit, whether it be a two-parent home, a single-parent home, or a solid trusted advisor who is uncompromised. Like I said, guys, it's rare air up here. I don't see it a lot. I want to see it more. It is my mission in life to see it more and to make it happen as best I can. So at the end of the day, you can never say Mr. Uber did not try to make it happen. He did not want to make it happen. He did not do everything in his power to make it happen. I present the tools to help to get the process started so we can grow together as a group and a unit. Therefore, if I'm stronger, you're stronger. If you're stronger, I'm stronger. But we got to define what success really is, too. And the deviations that come from what success is, but we also have to understand that young diamonds and trusted advisors have to be able to pivot along with the climate changes, too. We have some things going into the league right now, whereas the transfer portal is popping real hard in college right now. Mm-hmm. Ever since they changed That's, the rule. Exactly. For various reasons. We have the G League Ignite situation is popping for those who get anointed. That's popping. We have agents that are allowed to speak to high school athletes now, whereas we didn't have that before. So that's popping. So I'm sure they may be making some modifications coming down the pike once football college players realize that, you know what, we still in an archaic system. They are. Yeah, we got to donate three years of free services. And you mean to tell me CTE don't start in college? Because they don't even talk about that. I'm like, all I hear about is CTE in the pro. Wait a minute. You know you get hit by in college. college. You've been playing this since you was eight years old. <laughs> and the NCAA has no accountability for your concussed state. And they don't even have, basically they can sweep that under the rug for the whole what, 12 game season. Mm-hmm. And of course they could tell you whatever they want to tell you. And what you gonna do? You're a college kid. You know they're gonna hold that tuition over your head. I oh, you know they head. got their scholarship. <laughs> That's three years of freedom, though. Three years of free labor for them. So I'm expecting the NCAA to make some moves or the ball players to come together at some point. I think Northwestern tried it at one point years ago to try to unionize. And I don't know, I don't think they were successful, but this is a different climate. Mm-hmm. You know, the, things are changing now. So I expect these other sports that bring revenue into the colleges to start voicing their displeasures also. So be developmental is here for them too. I don't discriminate against sports. You know, I don't discriminate against gender because a life lesson is a life lesson. Trusted advisors and young diamonds work together regardless of what the sport really is. Mm-hmm. It's principles. It's, it's principles. It's blueprints. It's mapping out. But it's also family building also. Mm. So I normally tell people, you know, at Beast Developmental, we don't run from it. We run to it. So that's my thing. I want Beast Developmental. You're talking about timeline? Picture us running to it. Not running from. It. All right. I like, I like that. that. Powerful way to end it. Yep. Powerful note to end on. Um, we just want to say thank you again, Mr. Ubre, for coming on, spending this time with us this Saturday. Yes, sir. Breaking down what it means to be a father, talking about the things that we talked about with Louisiana and the structure, what motivates you. I definitely love what you've done as a father. And it's very cool to see how you made these sacrifices. And, you know, you weren't compromised like some parents were. So definitely commend you on that one, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm happy to be here, man. And I try to wonder when I get off podcast, am I affected? Was I affected? Did the audience understand anything I said? Did I talk too fast? 
did somebody relate to what I was saying? Did somebody want to reinvent themselves, I think, outside their comfort zone to realize that that's what it's going to come down to, stepping outside of their comfort zone? Mm. And I'm talking about not stepping out. I've been out of my comfort zone for a very long time, but it took an eight-year commitment, eight years, coming off a national disaster to step outside my comfort zone and not look for validation from those around me. So I was crazy the whole time until I wasn't. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, quite frankly, I'm tired of talking. These personal settings, I don't talk much, man, because people are so enamored by the internet. I walk in some conversations, they're telling me about myself. Well, sometimes I can sit up and tell them where they heard it from or what article they read. <laughs> like, But a lot of that stuff is, like I said, a lot of journalists might type out the first two paragraphs and copy and paste the rest of the article from three or four articles ago from somebody they know in the journalism field to finish off their article and slap their name at the bottom. So shout out to the journalists out there. They got a hard enough job as it is. I'm just saying, do your research. Stop making all the damn phone calls and thinking you know people because you really don't. Mm. or trying to piggyback on some old story that you're trying to rehash just because you got to get a story out and you got to look for some low-hanging fruit to get it done. Mm-hmm. Try to repurpose it and reflex it and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, guys, it all comes down to doing the work. Ain't no substitution for that work. Love it. Amen. Ain't yes, no love it. So, Mr. Uber, for everybody that wants to follow you, keep up with you, the people that want to hit you up after they heard this episode, how can they get in contact with you, like on social media, all that stuff? Reach out to Everest Akajobi at Peace Developmental. And we definitely talk every day. I talk okay. to Everest more than I talk to anybody. And because we always strategize. We have a lot of things in the pipeline. A lot of things geared around kids. A lot of things geared around education. A lot of things geared around the STEM field. My thing is I want to dig into trade school scenarios also as mm-hmm. options and alternatives. Because I'm talking about careers. I ain't talking about no nine to five because the traditional nine to five has been thrown out the window, basically. And everybody's not going to go to the pro in a sports a sports capacity. So it's beneficial to us as a people, our communities, and to the world as a whole for us to be educated in STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math scenarios, and turning it into careers to develop our own talk track. Because just like those that came before us, there was a reason why precise geometric measurements are on these pyramids while everybody's still scratching their head trying to find Bigfoot. You know? <laughs> Come on, man. Somebody was measuring something. Huh? Had to. That's just a lot of angles up there. Sure look coincidental. And rock sure was heavy. wonder how it happened. Hmm, I wonder how it happened. It was UFOs. Really? Okay. All right. So we don't get credit for nothing no more, huh? All right. And UFOs. But that's it, guys. Just uh, at these developmental Got a book coming out at the end of the year. Have you had to find a clever title for it? I think I just want to, I don't know. I think it's more about the information inside of the book. I'm mean, trying to walk people through scenarios and setting up how they can be more effective in living their power as a trusted advisor. And a realistic approach for young diamonds to have and get away from that you the man speech every day. You might be the man if you do the work to become the man. And just because, you know, you do that comparison and contrast piece with a lot of these parents, well, if he did it, you can do it. It don't work that way. Yeah, you're just as good as him. It don't work that way. You know, I spent all this money to get you here. It don't work that way. There's no guaranteed reward on the back end of this other than the reward you create realistically for yourself. And then my reward with Kelly is I go to the game. I went to the game. I go to all the games. I put my earbuds in my ear. I put music on, and I watch my son play like his poetry in motion. 
I'm not at the game to talk to nobody. I'm not at the game to do all that jumping up. I pray for happiness and health, mental happiness and health. And Kelly's growing into his young manhood at this point. He has a young family. He's nurturing and growing, but he's doing it from a position of manhood and power, not from a position of I got involved with a bopper or I made a mistake and now I got to deal with that nonsense for the rest of my life. Mm. No, that's not the blueprint I set for. But he's actually, you know, he's understanding it now more at 25 because both of you can attest there is that pushback at a young athlete's life or a young person. Yeah, yeah I got it. I, mean, I got it. I got, yeah. Can I stay by the house tonight? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to run on the couch because I messed up big time. But he's going through that. And I'm a daddy first and foremost, guys. So I tell my friends who sons are the same age with Kelly. Look, bro, your son 25, my son 25. My son is still 25. Don't let the money fool you. He still does 25-year-old stuff. So we got to be parents of 25-year-old. Regardless of their socioeconomic situation, we still have to keep grinding, digging. Mm-hmm. So that's the message that I want to hit with because that's my strong suit. That's where my position of power really is. And uh, walking it like I talk and living it, having some like you said, timeline, some snapshots on that timeline where I can show you my body of work. If you look me up, you'll see it. My talk track goes into the timeline itself so you can better understand. I can paint a picture for you because of this and this, because of this and this, because of this and this. But it was carefully thought out and manicured along the way to make sure my house was the clarifier house and not the justifier house. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's all about. So uh, we're going to rep for the book till we die, trust me. Yes, hey, sir. I love it. I love it, my yeah, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, Mr. Uber, I want to say thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And man, this has been a great conversation. We're going to hop into a couple of house cleaning items yeah, before, before we wrap, wrap this, this thing, thing up. up. So I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning into the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're a new listener or a long-time listener, Give go us ahead five leave, stars. Yeah, leave us that five-star review, man. Leave us that five-star review. Tell us what you think. Tell us. Yeah, leave us some feedback about the show. We yeah, if, if you didn't like it, you know, let us know why you didn't like it. Don't just give us one star. Yeah, let like us you know, say, you know, keep what, it funky with yeah, us. Man. Let us know ways we can improve and things of that nature. We love constructive criticism. We ain't got no little soft shells or nothing like that. So y'all keep it real with us. Um, but also, yeah, even before the academy, if you did enjoy this, share this with a parent or someone who you think could also learn from this conversation and to jump into the academy. If y'all would like to join the Black Wealth Renaissance Academy, this is a community that we are curating to actually help our people along their journeys. We're going to be focusing on personal finance. So we're going to be building budgets together. We're going to be building a savings challenge, savings challenge, not even just doing a savings challenge, but we're going to be building saving funds together. We're going to show you how you can save your money. We're going to make sure that people are getting their life insurance, mm-hmm. health insurance, take advantage. Kind of, like, kind of like we were talking about earlier, principles. Yeah, take it, taking advantage of financial principles. all of these things. We're going to be putting that together, but also giving you that sense of community that this is a safe space that if you don't know these financial principles, this is a safe space for you to come and learn these principles. Mm-hmm. What you got, um, my brother? While y'all doing that, do me a favor. Make sure y'all lock in on percentage breakdown. Okay. Because at this level, it's very uh, important to go in there and understand a percentage breakdown and how, as a trusted advisor or a clarifier, you can determine wording on contracts, you better understand the percentage breakdowns because a lot of that stuff is negotiable. 
Mm. I'm just going to say that, all right? Mm. And unless you ask the question, I don't have to answer the question. <laughs> nah, we'll we probably be in contact with you about this for the Academy, my brother. Um, okay. This is going to yeah. be something exclusive. You know, y'all join in. And I would love to go over that, like you said, the things that are negotiable and ways that you can leverage what you bring to the table to really make your situation the best outcome for you. And if you would like to join the Academy, you can do that one of two ways. You can text us at 337-455-7778. Text us with your email address, and then it'll ask you for a secret code. The secret code is going to be LEARN. If you text the word LEARN, you'll be able to be updated about all of the things that are going on in our Academy. If you need that again, that is 337-455-778. Text your email address, text the word LEARN. Or you can just click that link in the bio. Uh, you can hit join up by just going to the landing page for BWR Academy. And also y'all can purchase our book, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. If you don't want to join the community, but something that you want to do by yourself, we still offering these resources where you can start to learn, once mm-hmm. again, those principles of money, understanding the importance of those savings accounts and really just how to start taking that step to your better financial future. Yes, indeed. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.